Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dancing Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We are your hosts, Giuseppe Corallo. And Clinton Large. Yes. Hi, Clinton. Hi, Giuseppe. You are correctly. This week, Jasmine couldn't be with us because of the damn flu. And we hope and wish she has a fast recovery. And so we thought about calling our friend Clinton back. I mean, you know him pretty well. He has been with us in the past, so I'll pass this section and talk about Grey's Anatomy. So we thought, hmm, is Clinton available? Would he do it? And he said, yes. I'm always available for a podcast. You know me. I love to talk. <laughs> so Clinton, how are things? How are you? I am good. Things are good. I'm in Vancouver, BC. It's not too warm. It's like 16 degrees. It's approaching summer. Mm -hmm. um, everything's green and lush and shiny. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful time of year when we actually get some nice weather and it's not just raining every minute of every day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get so excited when summer approaches, you know, I really love spring, I really love the sun, I really love the longer days, I really love going to the sea, to the beach, but, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for work, I would be pretty free all day to just enjoy <laughs> the fun. Sadly, I, I, I cannot do that, but, you know, so Clinton, Jasmine, actually, Jasmine, who's your friend, called, who's a close friend of yours, called you mm -hmm. and said, do you want to come back? And you at the beginning said, yes, but... But I was like 10 episodes behind in Grey's Anatomy. I had been applying to medical school for the last five years. And in Canada, it's just stupid competitive. Like you'll have like 4,000 applicants for 110 spots kind of thing. Like it's insane. And so after five years of applying, I've given up, but I feel really good about it. But I remember the day I had got rejected, I tried to watch Grey's Anatomy and I was just on the couch crying. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't watch Grey's Anatomy for a minute. But as soon as Jasmine asked if I would come on the show, I was like, all right, we got to we got to download those episodes. And I watched like from episode like nine to uh, 18 in like two days. So it brought my love back for the show. So thank you for bringing me back to it. Also, all the episodes blur together, so I might bring up something from 10 episodes ago. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. You know, we, we talk about single episodes, but I mean, we like to bring up all past storylines because everything is connected in the Grey's Anatomy world. So, you know, sometimes in order to dig deeper into this character's life, you have to talk about things from previous episodes. So that's perfectly fine. And, you know, we actually, in this episode, we're not going to talk about just episode 17, uh, sorry, 18, which was the latest one, but we're going to talk about episode 17 as well, last week's episode, because we had, we took a week off, Jasmine and I, we just took a week off. And so we are going to talk about some of the key storylines from episode 17, which is titled I'll Cover You. And then we're going to talk about the newest episode entitled Stronger Than Eight. So, of course, if you haven't seen them yet, there are spoilers ahead. But, but more importantly, Giuseppe, why were you uh, taking a week off? Because you had a pretty cool reason for taking a week off. Oh, yes, I did. I actually sent you a photo from the place in which I went. <laughs> right? So, yes. Okay. As you know, as, as the fans of the, as the listeners of this podcast know, I went to New York City, Manhattan to see Jesse Williams' Broadway debut, which was amazing. So I was there last week and uh, I, I, I actually saw the show two times. Uh, I actually, had, when I was in Italy, I had bought the tickets just for one night, for Friday night. And then I went there and I decided on a whim to go as to, to also go before th um, before Friday. So I actually watched the, the, the show for two, for two times and it was incredible. It's such a solid show. And Jesse Williams gives a stellar performance. And I got to meet him outside the theater, which was pretty exciting. I even- Did you say hi? Oh yeah, I took a photo with him. I sent oh my you God. I know you did. I just, the thought of it, he's so hot. <laughs> Right. So, so basically he, he was he was about to get into the theater and he got off his car and I approached him. I was very embarrassed. But then again, I said, you know what? I took a plane, uh, an eight hour plane flight. So I said, I'm going to stop being embarrassed and I'm just going to ask for a photo because 
my God, I'm here. And when it will happen again to me? So I asked for a photo. He was very polite. He was very nice. We did this little photo and uh, I, we didn't get the chance to actually talk just to say hi. And then I watched the show, his performance. And I have to say, not only him, but all the actors involved in the play are amazing, especially J.C. Tyler Ferguson. I don't know if you know him. Yes, yeah, from uh, Modern Family. Right. He's great. He's like amazing, 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 amazing. I, I, I loved everything about his performance. I think I have to say, I'm going to be honest, he was like my favorite. I mean, everybody was on the top of the game. He was it was amazing. And, 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 and also when I went back on Friday, there was a special guest in, in the crowd. There was the actress um, who plays home in the show, JC Elliott. And it was pretty surreal, you know, to be there. I, I was on first row watching Jesse Williams naked on the stage, as you know, from the leaked pictures. And so it, it was pretty- The real reason April Kepner left her wedding for Jackson, right? Yeah, right, right. You were telling me before about these funny memes, memes that are going around on the internet. <laughs> but I have to say that it was very inappropriate for, for people to take photographs of him, of his nudity, yeah. and, and to share it on the internet. And I also find it very strange that people accomplish it, that someone accomplished it, because uh, so basically before you enter the theater, they give you like a little bag uh, in which you have to put your phone in and they close a little bag and there is no way to open it until the show ends and they have to open again. So I'm sure that someone took another phone and, and did the photo and that's 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 not respectful mm -hmm. towards the actor, of mm -hmm. course. Towards we were we were talking about that, about like it's it to me, like, yeah, like it, it sucks for Jesse Williams, obviously, like he's done this for the art. And also, I don't know, me being a pessimist was more of just like, it seemed inevitable. Like, you know, people can have little cameras in their lapels or, you know, there's so many ways they can hide it. People get really creative with it. Yeah. And I just really thought like, like it sucks, but like, I wasn't surprised if that makes sense. I was like, as soon as you hear that Jesse Williams, who everyone, you know, thirsts over all of Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> it was like, it, it, to me, it just seemed inevitable. But I don't know if that makes it, yeah less bad but yeah i wasn't surprised yeah i get it i was actually surprised because again i saw firsthand how tight the security was mm -hmm. and how they, they were amazing but as you said you know the, the we were saying that like the entire audience should be naked too to watch the play and they should get all their photos taken so it's like <laughs> his photo was leaked your photo was leaked oh my god yeah yeah that's right uh, also he's he's not the only one naked on the stage every actor in the play except for jesse taylor ferguson is naked at, at one point in the stage also patrick jaya james james adams i think is his name the actor from suit he was naked on the stage as well but, you know, <clears throat> is not as popular, of course, as, as Jesse Williams. And it was an incredible, incredible experience, you know, to be on Broadway, to see Jesse Williams, to be in New York City. And, and I, I also watched another Broadway show uh, called Plaza Suite with Sarah Jessica Parker, who's another favorite, favorite actor. I love her. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. And you should see her on, on stage. She's just incredible she she's a force to be reckoned with she she's just amazing i i loved her and i got to meet her i mean she didn't stop photos of course but she was very nice and it was just amazing clinton as i was telling you before now that i'm back in rome i mean rome is a great city of course but it's also the city in which i live it's also the city in which i work so being back to my normal life has been pretty hard and I, I keep fantasizing about New York and about going there. And I keep, you know what, before going to bed every night, I watch videos of Manhattan or Broadway or something like that. So I'm in a little in a depressed mood right now, but I think it will get better, right? Yeah, you're just in a New York state of mind. What, sorry? You're just in a New York state of mind. Yes, exactly. I am, I am. Exactly. And I don't know how long it will take to shake it off this evening and this state of mind. But anyway, yeah, it's it's amazing. And if you if you listeners have any questions about the play, about Jesse Williams play, and if you want to know anything, just write to us on our Instagram page or on Twitter or 
send us an email, whatever you want, and I'm gonna reply to you. So, okay, I think that it's time for to talk about episode 17, and then we're gonna talk about stronger, stronger than eight. So Jasmine is not here this week, and she usually does our 30 second recap. So I'm gonna try doing them. I'm not gonna be as good as her, of course, but I'll try. Calm me down. Are you gonna do both episodes in 30 seconds or do you want like 40 seconds to do both? No, no, I'll do 30 seconds for both. All right, the challenge is set, are you ready? Yeah. All right, three, two, one, go. So previously on Grey's Anatomy, Nick has his first day at Great Sloan while Meredith babysits Richard, who has accidentally drunk a marijuana drink. Teddy confides in Amelia about Leo's gender identity. Joe finally admits her feelings to Link. And Catherine reveals to Richard the cancer has come back. A dinner party is thrown at the sister house in Nick's honor, but Meredith can't attend because the hospital receives a victim of a brutal hate crime. Amelia and Kat's relationship comes to an abrupt end while Meredith and Nick exchange their first I love you. Megan and Winston are deceived by his brother. Was it 30 seconds? That was really good. That was about, I, I set a timer. That was about 35 seconds. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, minus a point. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think you did great. That was a hard one to read. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. Well, I told you, not as good as Jasmine. So I did not actually respect the 30 seconds rule. But... I was close. Come on. I was pretty close. Yeah, it was pretty close. Also, it's a skill. Jasmine has a lot more practice at it. So maybe yeah. that could be a fan thing. She could try to see how long it takes her to recap the two episodes at once. Hmm. We'll see if she accepts the challenge. Knowing her, I'm sure she will. <laughs> That's my challenge for you, Jasmine, when you listen to this. <laughs> okay. So as we say, we're going to talk first about the main storylines of episode 17 and what we think is going to be important before the end of the season. And I think that the most important storyline in, in episode 17 was for Joe and Link. I mean, they opened the episode with a montage of the two of them. And in a way, they closed it as well. Because in this episode, Joe finally confesses her love to Link. So, mm-hmm. Clinton, I'm very curious because it's been a while since we have talked about Grey's Anatomy, since I've heard your thoughts. What do you think about it? I think it's just messy. Like, I, I understand why if you think of Joe being like, she's a new mom, she's doing a new residency, like she's so stressed. And I think more than anything, she's just looking for comfort. And Link is not also just a good friend of hers. He's also extremely attractive. So like, I get, I get why she has feelings for him. I don't know if it's truly love when she's like, I falling in love with you. Like, I don't know if that's, true and I don't know, I'm more pessimistic about it I feel like it's just more like oh she just wants that comfort because she's going through such a stressful time and I think it's just bad I think she should just abandon it and meet someone new hmm. what do you think well that's an interesting take I have to say that I am um, at the beginning when they started this storyline I was a little bit like hmm this could be interesting but now I feel like they fizzled it out is that the right word to fizzle mm-hmm. out and uh, it's like, I don't see that much chemistry between the two of them. Of course, Link is actually gorgeous, extremely attractive. So I get why Joe would be interested in him. And I also get why Link could be interested to Joe. She's an attractive mm-hmm. one as well. Um, but, you know, it's like, do I see them as endgame? I think they probably will be endgame. But to me, it feels a little bit like, pair the spares you know like mm-hmm. they're the only two left without no with no relationship and um so they had to find a partner the writers had to find a way to for their characters to have a love story as well a love mm-hmm. so that's how it feels and i i really like the scene in which they confronted each other so I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I, I want to mm-hmm. see where they go. But one thing that I want to stress out, as I have in the past in past episodes, is that I'm not totally invested with this storyline because they seem like they're in their own little bubble, separated from all the other storylines, especially Joe. Right. For me, it would be just, I would just need a scene in which, for example, Joe talks to Meredith because Meredith, for me, is the focal point of the show. So mm-hmm. I would need for her to talk to Meredith about what she feels, 
how she feels towards towards Link. But the fact that they don't talk to other people except for Link, just but just up to secondary characters, or at least to what I feel sometimes are secondary characters, I just I think it makes this story less powerful because it is not well it is not part of the fabric of the other storylines happening to other characters. You get what you what I what what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean. I I always when when there's stuff like this happening in every story, I always find an interesting exercise to like try to come up with within the story because there's real life explanations, right? You know, maybe it's COVID or it's Ellen Pompeo trying to have a really reduced schedule. But within the story of Grey's Anatomy, what could be a plausible reason for them not interacting much? And my answer to that would probably be something like um, because Joe's working as an OBGYN now residency, like she has no reason to interact with Meredith um, and uh, Link working with Ortho. Meredith's only there half the time anyway. She's super busy being the head of general surgery. So I'm sure she's a lot more paperwork. Like she's not doing as many surgeries as before or consults and stuff. And so that's my answer is just like for their work, there's not a reason for them to interact. So what do you think? If you had to come up with a reason within the Grey's Anatomy universe of why they're not seeing each other, what would it be? I, yeah, I think you got it right. I think it would be because of time and how busy Joe has been. But I have to say that I also feel like that the choice not to make Ellen Pompeo interact with uh, Camilla Ladington, it seems like at this point it seems extreme. The last time they shared the scene was actually in season 16. And I mean, of course, that's right. the But uh, I think that I think Helen Pompeo once produced, you know, time on set I also have a feeling, and I'm going to hate it, I know that, but I have a feeling that in season 19, she's going to be back, but she's not, not, not going to be back full time. Also because I saw like an interview from Scott Speedman in which she said there could not be Grey's Anatomy without Grace, but at the same time, they'll try a version of it, but she'll be back, they said. So it seems like Ellen Pompeo finally got what she wanted, but we'll see. But yeah, I, 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 again, I just need like a brief scene just to tell me that Joe and Mary still talk to each other and that Joe confides in, in our titular character, you know? I'd even love to see like when Joe and uh, Link are fighting, Ellen walk up and be like, guys, there's patience, shut up. Like yeah. even just something like that, you know, like, cause she's yeah. the, the voice of reason. Yeah, that would be enough. That would be enough for me. But that's not I, ha- that's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. So. I think for Joe and Link too, what bothers me is that like I like there are so many people like my mom, for example, will always be like, "Oh, I don't think that like you know straight men and straight women can be friends because like she always thinks there's a chance for them to like want to per- uh, pursue something romantic," and I think they can. And so I liked that they were just friends and nothing had ever happened. Yeah. Um, so that like. I don't know. I just, I want more of that. And I also feel like so much in this world tells men that if they do have feelings for somebody and they don't reciprocate it, that they can um, just wait it out. Right. And that's like the best friend trope, like, Oh, you know, Joe will go and date this guy, but you error, you know, whatever. But if I wait long enough, she'll realize I was here all along and, you know, fall in love. And I hate that trope. I think it's, you know, unrealistic to like what actually happens in life. It's more so you meet someone and not that it's like sparks fly, a great Taylor Swift song, but more so that it's, it just kind of comes about from like meeting each other mm-hmm. in a state of mind when you're ready to pursue something. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, I just, I don't, I, I feel like it, uh, it teaches men the, that like, not like, no, doesn't mean no, but like the, it's okay to wait and pine for someone and eventually they'll come around. Yeah. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Well, we see where you go. I think that by this finale this year, there are going to be some changes. And mm-hmm. and then another storyline that we had in episode 17, which was a fun storyline, but also a poignant storyline, was Richard getting high uh, for an error. Actually. What did you think about it? The Richard storyline I really liked. I think I what I love about modern greys, you know, is that they're really doing like poignant storylines to everyday life, you know, talking about addiction, talking about Leo's um, gender identity um, and stuff like that I think is really important. You know, obviously we think the Richard storyline is really funny. And one thing I wanted to talk about was how Richard kept saying, oh, it ruined my sobriety, it ruined my sobriety. And, you know, there's a lot of addiction in my family and like I've learned a lot about it. And so just knowing that if it is truly an honest mistake, that like it doesn't ruin your sobriety. Um, also the idea of a slip up 
like there are certain people who think that, you know, even the littlest slip up, if it was intentional means that you restart however many years you have. And I don't really go by that. You know, there are different kinds, different levels of slip up. I often use like a, a dieting analogy of like, you know, you can be on a diet and you can have a piece of chocolate or you could be on a diet and go on a complete food binge, right? Like there's different levels. Yeah. And so what feels right to you is what matters. And yeah, and I'm pretty sure most people would agree that as long as it wasn't intentional, if it was accidental, that it doesn't count as a relapse. If you were to accidentally drink some weed juice thinking it was um, kombucha or something. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think it's interesting what, what, what you just said, because of course it's a question that Richard poses to himself. And basically, Amelia says the same thing to him, you know. That, mm -hmm. So I, I really love that little scene between um, Richard and Amelia. I really like when the two of them interact because... They I forgot. It's been so long. I forgot that they were kind of like AA buddies or sober buddies together. Yeah. Yeah, they were. It was like a big thing at the beginning of season 11. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's been a while. And... Speaking of interesting storylines, you know that, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you have follow, followed us this year, but I have a new favorite character, Nick, <gasps> Nick Marsh. I really like right. him. Do you like him? I do. The only issue I have with Nick is I'm upset that Hayes got wasted. Like, I feel like Hayes showed up as this love interest and then... COVID happened and then they said, I, I I even missed it. It was only listening to this podcast, realizing that they had actually said, oh, that they tried to date and it didn't work out or something. Like that wasn't really clear to me. And then Hayes is like, goodbye. And I don't know, that seemed like a waste. Hayes was funny. Hayes, I, I liked that he had, had lost in his life. I thought he was good for Meredith. I really love Nick. I just wish it came about without wasting Hayes's character, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get it. I loved Ace, but I have to say that as soon as Nick was reintroduced back in the show and I was like, oh my God, okay, I cannot see Meredith with anyone else but mm -hmm. Nick Marsh. I just felt the chemistry was so strong. Back in season 14, when, he, when Nick was introduced back in season 13, I was like, oh my God, they must bring him back. And I remember this summer, I kept reading all the news, seeing if Scott Speedman, the actor who plays Nick, <coughs> had signed on for season 15, it was season 15 at the time, and he didn't. So just to have him back this season for me was pretty exciting. And mm -hmm. in this episode, we had his first day at Grace Loan. We had, I think, a great teaching moment with Levi. And another thing that he proved in this episode is that I think I'm sure that's going to change in the future because, come on, that's Grace Anatomy. But as of now, he's like the voice of reason. He's always calm. He's always so vulnerable but strong at the same time with others mm -hmm. i like the way he approaches to others is is always so easygoing is is always so open to everyone and and always ready to jump in and help and i love his humanity too like there was an episode i think before this where addison talks about like surgeons treat you know cases like wins and losses and stuff yeah. and um she had to unlearn that and i think nick's done a really good job of just having the the humanity still and understanding what the job's about um yeah i loved it yeah i mean we're going to talk a, a little bit about more about nick and meredith relationship in a moment when we talk about episode 18 which was a big episode mm -hmm. to them the better episode the, the better episode yeah let's call it the better episode but <laughs> yeah it was it was I'm, I'm just happy to have him back and I really hope that he comes back next next season as a full-time cast member I really do I really do hope so he's been in quite a bit though is he not a full-time cast member now he is, he is, but he had signed on for just a season because at the mm. time they thought season 18 could have been the last season. And then the show got renewed for season 19 and Ellen signed on for season 19. Again, we have to understand to which extent she signed on. I think we will understand it after this season finale. And so again, we'll see what happens. Speaking of, we'll see what happens. Speaking of not putting labels on people, can I say that I'm just loving, loving the Teddy, Owen, and Leo storyline? I am too. I am always Owen's biggest critic. And I think he's, one thing I'll praise him for is that I think he's handled Leo's ever fluidity with his, uh, with their gender, like very well. 
Um, and I also love how we, how he's done it with Teddy because Teddy, I think is someone who's always been a really good person and just like, you know, just this is new to her, which, you know, sucks that it's new to her, but you know, it, I love that it shows that she's doing the work that she's doing the reading. She's going to therapy for it. Like she's really trying to make sure she's there for their, um, for their kid. And so, yeah, I, I just, I love the storyline. I love the awareness of it. I love how it's showing parents, Hey, if you struggle with it, here's some steps you can take. And I love that Owen's being a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I, a moment that I really loved from episode 17, a moment that really stood out to me was when Teddy confided in Amelia about what was happening to her, how she, uh, to, and to Leo, how she was reacting to it and how Amelia opened opened her herself up to Teddy and she told that she she's dating a non-binary person right now mm-hmm. and and how this actually helped Teddy seeing that you know he didn't have to put a label on, on people especially on people because it would be just stupid and because you you don't need a label to to love a person and I think I, I think you're writing this storyline in a very subtle and and powerful way and yeah I'm really digging it yeah okay amazing good job Owen good job, Owen. yeah good job Owen I mean I as you know I've no I I've, I've always supported Owen because I've always gotten him even if when he was at his lowest even when he was at his worst sorry not his lowest his worst I, I, what I love about Owen is his humanity, the fact that he's not perfect. And that's what makes, to me, an interesting character. But now mm-hmm. it's time to talk about episode 18, which, yes. as you know, was entitled uh, Stronger Than Eight. I thought it was a beautiful episode. I thought it had everything. Yeah, I thought it had humor and and romance and 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 powerful and and gut wrenching uh, medical storylines and and it had great music. I think it had all those elements elements that make Grey's Anatomy Grey's Anatomy, which to me means they make Grey's Anatomy unique. Yeah, exactly. I feel like episode 17 is like the salad you start off before dinner. Like it's the promise that dinner is coming. And then you get to episode 18 and you're like, ah, this is what I was waiting for. This is what I wanted. And it's been a minute since we've had this feeling because like the beginning of season 18 was not great. Like the, if I don't know what the word would be for it, it just felt, it felt bland, like lower stakes. And it's like, it's, I'm happy there's like, the residency program on fire, the relationships are heating up and we get this dinner and this dinner, the last time we had a dinner was when we had perfect penny killed my husband and like (laughs) dinners are iconic. Right, right. Dinners are iconic. But I mean, that I, I think this was an iconic, I mean, it was an iconic dinner in its own way. Not a lot of things happened, but they say it was a quieter dinner, but nevertheless, it was a fun dinner. And I think it, it had one of the strongest, strongest endings of an episode this season. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about not just the last scene, but the last two scenes. So basically we have this perfect song. Oh God, I don't remember the name of the song, but you know, we have this perfect song. And we have this beautiful scene of Amelia talking to Nick and explaining to Nick, you know, who's Meredith, how much pain and grief she has survived and how much she needs love. And at that moment, Nick, you know, realizes how much in, in much pain Meredith has been. And he waits for her to come back from the hospital because, you know, she was held up by uh, something that we will discuss later. And she, he waits for her with dinner ready, with a glass of wine. And she's, after a long, devastating day, she's surprised to see him there. And I think that what's beautiful is the way they hug each other like they are you know like they are each other's saviors and and I really loved this I love you moment so Mm -hmm. this is like a first for Meredith post Derek because first of all while the I love you to the Luca didn't feel real to me this one completely did because it was did she say I love you to the Luca yeah she did when the Luca was in prison 
when Deluca was in prison, I mean, a few days before Deluca went in pr to prison to her, he had told her, I love you. And she didn't reply. And then when he went to prison for her, she told him, I love you. I love you too. But that, that I love you too, to me, always felt like something she had to say because there was this man that, you know, was in prison because of her. So in a way, I thought she was forced. Not that she didn't love him, but I don't think she was actually in love with him. This mm -hmm. time, I think it's different. And I think the fact that Meredith is the first one to say it speaks volumes about her growth and about, mm -hmm. the, 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 I mean, the, this, the way she's about to cry after she says, I love you. Like, like this time she can trust this man. She can trust her feelings. And she has just discovered that, you know, life is beautiful, can be beautiful with another person that there is, I mean, at the end of season 12, she wondered, is, is it possible to have a second big great law? Well, now she's discovering that the, the answer is actually yes, that it's possible. And I think this is such a powerful message to send people out there. And I, again, I love the fact that she's not on the receiving end of this, I love you. I mean, she, Nick says it to her, a few seconds later, but this time she's the one who starts it all. She's the one ready to love. She's not scared anymore. Meredith is. Meredith has healed after all this pain. She has finally healed. And I don't mean to say that you heal just when you love someone else, because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the fact that Meredith opened herself up to life again, and that's winning. So I just loved that final mm -hmm. moment. And I love that the I love you wasn't something like, I feel like with Derek, you know, the relationship was so turbulent, right? And this one just seems so easy. Like they're, they're cities apart and it feels easier with him than it did with Derek. Yeah. And that I think is a better love, right? Like it's not the person that makes you have butterflies in your stomach. It's the person that you feel completely at calm and at peace with, um, which I think is even better. And then who said I love you first with Derek and Meredith? Was it Derek or Meredith? I think Meredith was the first one making a, a declaration. She was like, uh, uh, pick me, choose me, love me. So right. I, I think that is like, I love you. Like the, right. that, that speech, the pick me, choose me, love me. So yeah, I think she said it but it's, it's a desperate I love you. And this one is just like a, a realization almost. Yeah, which makes it, as you said, even more powerful because usually in TV, we see, I mean, I loved Meredith and Derek. I still think that Derek is going to be, is always going to be the love of her life, that he's, he's irreplaceable. I mean, every time I watch an old episode and I see the two of them, I, I just get butterflies and, and they were amazing together. But what I, what I loved, as you said, about this Isle of, this Isle of You was the, the fact that it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. It was just a little quiet thing, which speaks even more, which is in, even more, which is even louder for Meredith. I mean, this woman really thought that she had no chance of love again. Mm -hmm. And now she, I mean, I remember this speech that she gave like in the, during season 12, which was a season I loved. And if you guys don't know what to watch this summer, just rewatch season 12. I think it's an amazing <laughs> season. And she basically said, you know, I'm close for orgasms. I'm never going to have orgasms anymore. Like, this is it. And now she's finally having orgasms again, which I find it's great. And she's having them with a man she loves. I mean, I, I'm sure something will happen between the two of them in the season finale. I think that something huge that they might have. Do you think like his, his transplant will fail? I think that I, I think that they're gonna work on a case together based on the photos and the press release. And she makes Meredith makes a risky decision, which might cost the, the patient's life. And I think that by the end of the season, I think they're gonna be there's gonna they're gonna be apart. I have this feeling. I hope not, but at the same time, I'm a guy who likes drama. So who knows? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, some drama could be good for the two of them. Do you, Do you think if Derek is the love of her life that Nick could be like the life partner of her life? Like I like Derek was a fiery love, right? And so like it's a it's it's yeah, I'm just trying to figure if we had to put a title on it, like what would you, how would you put it? I would say that it's just another great love of her life. Again, mm. I don't think you can have just one love 
of course, there can be different type of loves. There can be different par partners. I, I, I think he's as special as Derek is. And I just think that, you know, people meet other people in different stages of their life. And this doesn't take anything from that relationship because I think that every relationship is unique. This is why I don't get why all the murder fans saying and stands saying, oh no, she should end up alone because Derek is dead, but she still loves her from the afterlife. I get it. And, but, but also a miserable life to be alone. Like it's, right? you know, we to have companionship, right? Like whether, what, whatever form that's in, you know, friendship, yeah. your kids or love, like still. Yeah. Yeah, and if Meredith was a character who was not interested in love, I would get it. You know, if she was like, mm, I'm not interested in dating, but she, this is not who she is. She's always mm -hmm. been a person in love with the idea of love sometimes. Even though she was a suicidal character at the beginning of the series, she's always been a romantic. She even said mm -hmm. in season 16, there is a moment in which after she and Deluca have a big fight and, and they break up, she says to Belly, you know, so basically there is this episode in which Levi does something romantic for a patient. And then she says to Belly, Meredith says to her, you know, once upon a time, I would have been the one making the grand romantic gesture and I'm not. And, and she says, you know, the look I broke up with me and I just went to bed, woke up the next morning and didn't do anything. And I was not devastated. I just showed up to work and that was it. And Belly says to her, well, maybe you just grew up, you know, and that's why you're not passionate anymore. And Meredith asks her, well, if Ben left you, would you be fine with it? And she's like, no. And Meredith says, exactly. So the point is that while she was with the Luca, she was not that much in love. And this is mm -hmm. why she didn't have the grand romantic gestures in her. But Meredith has always been a romantic person, no matter how she, hard she tried to hide it. So I think that is why it is so important that when the show ends, she has someone next to her. Not because mm -hmm. a woman needs a man in her life, but because Meredith wants a man in her life. And I think that's the biggest difference. Also, when you consider like Ellis Gray, who's been popping up more and more in the show, which I love, like Meredith didn't really grow up with love. And so she deserves to end her life with love, like, because it didn't start with it, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. So yeah. that was a beautiful. <sighs> and then but it, we could talk about Nick and Meredith forever. Yeah, we could talk about them, about the two of them, too. For, yeah, I love them. And I said before that it was, it was an episode full of romance and it was an episode full of fun. The dinner was actually fun, right? The dinner was really fun. Also, I love that Teddy kept being like, I'm fun, everybody. And they're like, okay, sure, whatever. You yeah. think you're fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the funniest moment from that? Oh, uh, it was definitely the little Bailey, big Bailey fist bump. I, I, I think I rewound it a couple of times, like Bailey, Bailey fist bump. And I was like, it was too cute. And I think that would, that would be something that would happen in real life. Like it felt, it almost felt unscripted. I don't know. It yeah. just, that felt really organic. And it, and that was like, wow, I don't know. I loved it. I could talk about that also forever. I could talk about that five, that two second interaction more than I could talk about Nick and Meredith as much as I love them. Yeah. I think you're saying something that, it, which is really interesting. You said, I think that I really think it's true. You said it felt like an scripted moment. So I think the great, what, why the reason why we like this episode is so much, because I think the grace is built around relationships. And mm -hmm. one thing that I, I've always loved about the show is how natural they feel. So anytime that we see some, you know, contrived drama, like the Joy Link drama, we're not really invested in it. But mm -hmm. when we see these little moments, like belly and belly bumping their, their fists, they just feel real. And that's the reason why I think we love Grey's Anatomy so much. So, yeah, yeah. And again, it was a fun dinner and everybody kept grilling Nick, kept asking him questions. And he was so gracious as always. Which and also felt very organic, right? Especially with Meredith not even there. Everyone's like, so Nick, what do you think about the post office? Like, I love stuff like that. Yeah, 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 me too. It was it was really fun. And Maggie was really fun. And I, I really laughed out loud when she said to, to Winston, 
is he a con man as well? Is Nick a con man? (laughs) Wendell has charmed me in the past and the the other man that has charmed me as much is Nick Marsh. Is he a con man? I thought that was funny. And speaking of the two of them, speaking on Megan Winston, oh my God, can I just say that I hate Winston's brother, Wendell? I just think, yes, nothing. That's a fact. He's a manipulative person and he just stole from them 20,000 dollars yeah and that was insane and i think wendell it's just it's the kind of thing of like okay yes your mom died of cancer and as a kid that'd be so tragic and like as a kid it's like you more get it for him but at this stage in its life you're like okay buddy i don't feel bad for you anymore like you've made your bed like it's okay for your mom's death to like always affect you in some way it's just you can't be ruining everyone else's life right you can't be living this way you can't be taking the easy way out right like if Wendell wanted you know a good job he should have gone to a company and started in the lower ranks and worked his way up like he's a charmer if he worked hard instead of just relying on charm he could have done it instead of being more than an idiot instead of being selfish right I think Wendell is the epitome of selfishness I agree I completely agree I just hate the character and I I'm I'm I don't love Megan Winston as a couple right now because I find them a little bit boring. So I in a way I'm happy that something is shaking them up. I don't know what will this mean for them because I don't know what could happen in the season finale for them to have you know a twist. I wonder if the bad people are going to show up. Yeah, that's what I ask myself too. Because but- I bet you Wendell didn't take the money to pay them back. Yeah, yeah, he's that kind of person. So he kept the 20 grand and just ran with it. Yeah, this could happen, but also it would be too much soap opera if the bad guys came. I don't know, it, it would just feel a storyline that wouldn't be belong to Grey's Anatomy. But, but is I, Grey's Anatomy not a soap opera though? I kind of, I always like, I put it in the same ballpark as like Desperate Housewives. <laughs> that, that, and that, yeah. and that's definitely a soap opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is a primetime soap also. But what I'm saying is that that, that kind of storyline will turn it in a daytime soap opera. So I just hope that she can remain a primetime soap. But we'll see. We'll see. And speaking of soap opera, speaking of ups and downs, for one couple exchanged their I love yous, another couple ended. Did you expect Kay and Kay and Amelia to just break up, basically? I feel like I just got on board with their relationship. You know, I can understand why Amelia didn't want to marry Link. And I was just, I don't know, Kai seemed too quick, too forced. Um, And I was just finally like, no, like Kai's awesome. I like Amelia. I'm like finally on board with it. And then it ended, or I don't know if it ended. That was unclear to me. I'm really big on like, like, not having ambiguity so like I understand Kai being like I don't want kids I don't want this life I I would have appreciated a like we're broken up and so I could see them like having another conversation about it you know in the next episode or something yeah yeah I'm I'm sure this is not the end for them I'm sure uh, they will be back I'm sure they will find a way to have them back uh I did like the moment when Kai was like, I'm not going to change my mind because I think it was Link who was like, oh, you sound like Amelia before she had kids. And I was like, it was Alwyn. It was Alwyn. I don't like Alwyn. Sorry. I was like, I don't like that. But flash forward to this. And it was like, yeah, Kai, don't change your mind if you don't want it. Like, that's completely understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. The only complaint that I have about this storyline, I'm not that invested into them. And I, I I really love Amelia as a character when she when she has big monologues, for example, at the end, because she's a nice person, but I really hate her in relationships because I think she doesn't know how to communicate. You know, she really doesn't know. For example, all, all the link the drama we link, she just hadn't t- hadn't told Nick uh, Link, sorry what were her thoughts what was going on in her mind so in a way i i think that amelia is written horrible horribly when she's in relationship so for once she's the one on the other end of the stick but i'm sorry for her at the same time what i don't like is that you know with all queer couples 
in TV, it seems to be like the, the only storyline they can do is like one of them wants a children, wants children, and the other doesn't. So mm -hmm. that is a little bit boring. They did this with Kali and Arizona as well. So ugh, I don't know. I'm just not that invested. But I know people in the, in the two of them. But I know people are. And I know that Kai is a very um, appreciated addiction uh, in this season. So mm -hmm. that's why I think it's not the end for, for the two of them. So you've seen Friends, right? The TV show? No, no, just a few episodes from season one. I, I still have to watch Friends. I know. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed. Oh, no. Okay. Do you know about who Monica and Chandler end up with? No. Okay. Um, never mind. So everyone knows about Ross and Rachel, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Okay. Knows. So Ross and Rachel have a very turbulent relationship, right? Yeah. Um, there is another couple that forms, like, not within the friend group, like one of the friends and someone else forms. And they're, the writer said they purposely made it not turbulent because of how much Ross and Rachel's was. And I wish we kind of had that here. Like so many relationships are like, you know, freaking out all the time. Like I would like one of them to just be stable and be like, hey, everybody, this is a happy, healthy relationship. And like kind of model it for everybody else. I don't know. It'd be nice to have, like, I feel like if you watch the show too long, you like don't believe in love anymore. Or like you believe in like, initial love but you don't believe in like lasting love so i would like that to happen at some point yeah um, yeah i think yeah. That, that that couple might be ben and bailey right but we never see ben though yeah. i did like the scene i think it was in a past episode where they like talk i talk about like hey we need to work on us a little bit and i was like that was really sweet i really appreciated that yeah. and even though amelia never really talks about what she needs i'm glad kai did because it was like, hey, Amelia, this is what it's like to tell somebody when you're not happy. Like, maybe you should have said this to Link. Or, hey, Link and Nick, maybe you should, like, tell the people you love or the people in your life how you feel more often. Because that's a human thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Well, let's see. And also, while the dinner was happening, as I said before, Meredith was at the hospital because a patient, a nation patient, victim of a hate crime arrived mm -hmm. at the hospital. And I think it was a powerful, emotional storyline and mm -hmm. broke my heart, enraged mm -hmm. me at the same time. I think it's incredible. It's very, a very terrible thing that this kind of things still happen and maybe, maybe, sadly, they will continue happening because, you know, people are not everyone, thank God, but, you know, some people are racist. And I thought it just broke my heart. The look which Meredith and Boki exchanged was so, so powerful to me. Or when Boki said that they are American, they look like American, I was sobbing. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And it then was... the whole family showed up too for the patient or the one doctor, the resident, I forget her name, um, um, saying, you know, in the balcony saying like, nobody calls it in. Like there yeah. were so many things that just seemed- Mabel, that's her name. Too true. Right, thank you. And it just ugh, made me so sad. Yeah, 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 me too. It was, I think it was important. I think it's important when they show- Shine so important on, on on this kind of topics and I, I i don't like it when they do them like in a political way and it's just about all about words and writing and not emotions but when it is like this when the emotions are real when it comes from a need for storytelling then i really like when they you know when they face this kind of topics and so and it's so important because like so often like people of color have to like resonate and empathize with like white characters and it's important for like people like me who like I'm white and to empathize with other kinds of people because yeah. that's how you build the humanity in them yeah yeah absolutely and it also reminds us that at the end of the day I mean what's the difference I mean what what is there a difference you know no there is not of course mm -hmm. yeah I, I think it, it's 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 very important yeah Okay, I think we are one of my favorite moments of the when we record a podcast, as you know, because you have 
been our guests in the past, we have this moment in which we say a favorite quote. And so we're gonna do a favorite quote or scene for episode 18. So do you wanna go first? Yes, okay, so for 17, my favorite moment was when Bailey was like ranting about the string of messy men that came before her and I was like, get it Bailey. And then in 18, my favorite moment has to be the little Bailey, big Bailey fist bump. Like, honestly, it was two and a half seconds and it was, I think the best thing that's happened in like three seasons. Yeah, those were good moments. And mine were, okay, in episode 17, I really liked at the end when after Meredith has taken care of Richard, she, um, she, Richard and Nick are leaving the hospital together and she just, you know, still takes care of him, makes sure that his coat is put on correctly. And I thought that was mm -hmm. a very sweet moment. And then in episode 18, uh, no, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, you know, repetitive, but I really love those two last scenes with Milia and Nick and Nick and Meredith, I love you, so yeah. I think that was yeah. Nick's great. Nick's been a great addition. Nick, I think he brings a calm and collected head that I think a lot of our lovely characters don't have. Yeah. Jasmine wouldn't agree with us right now and <laughs> we know her reasons and we get the, 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 her reasons. But, you know, well, guys, that's our show. Thank, thank you, Clinton, for having been with me this episode, for this episode. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much, really. And I will be back next week to talk about the two-hour season finale and 400th episode with Jasmine. And if you liked what you, what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, and of course, tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at DensityLabPod and on Instagram at DensityLabGrazeAnatomy, even if, if we don't update it very often, but we will. I promise you, we will. Hey, you'll update it more often if more people follow you. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah. That's, so it's everyone else's fault. Yeah, right. So until next time, I'm Giuseppe. And I'm Clinton. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast. <laughs>